Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available in paperback, ebook, and Kindle format at Amazon.com. And if you're into the audio scene, Daddy O, you can pick up volumes one through eight at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So please partake of that and show some support for what we're doing here. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Marvelous, marvelous. Uh, It's chilling down over here a little bit. I was just out feeding the birds, and I had to put a little... uh, a layer on, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have uh, uh, we had forty degrees this morning here. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's where we were at at sunrise. You know, which that's cold for us in North Kakalaki. <laughs> hey, Kev, I want to do a little shout out to a listener, uh, Suzanne. I was talking to Suzanne. Uh, yesterday, she had a few. You may recall we were talking about it when we were reading emails or, yes. or letters, and I had said I can't. I reached out to her, and I hadn't heard from her. Uh, but she heard that and uh, got back in touch with me, and we had a nice little conversation. So, big shout out to uh, Suzanne. I think she said she's living in Virginia now, uh, but she's from the uh, your area. And, Ah. yeah, her phone number had your area code, so I was like, you must be in North Carolina. I think she said they moved a state and uh, kept the phone number or something like that. Yeah, most people do. Yeah. Really nice uh, lady. Once again, Kev, uh, you know, our listener base is fantastic. Yeah, really good people. So, uh... Except for a few of you. You know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) And we need... We need the whole spectrum. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, pretty soon we're going to have to put together our little Halloween podcast. Oh, yes. And I'm working on that already. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh... Uh... You know, one of my coworkers... Uh, told me that Night Dreams, you know, I, I did some interviews with Gary on Night Dreams uh, radio, and uh, they did a four-hour uh, little special with some of my reruns with them. Oh, cool. And, uh, I, you know, I generally don't listen to myself, but I did tune it in last night when I was at work with my earbud. 
uh, just to see what we were talking about, you know, and uh, uh, I really, I enjoy it, you know, I enjoy it. I'm trying, you know, now Paula has passed, and uh, uh, I'll tell you something for the folks out there, and, and you, Kev, relative to Paula's passing, so a few weeks, uh, in a few weeks following uh, her going to heaven, uh, I got touched on my shoulder early in the morning. Uh, and it happened in the same fashion uh, each time. And uh, that happened about three or four times. And then the other day I was standing in the kitchen and I heard four little taps on the wall. Very subtle, like, thumping, I'll call it. And the cool thing was that it's not its not a frightening thing. You know, it's not like you're in your house and uh, uh, something odd happens and your hair st- starts to stand up, you know? Yeah. So uh, uh, I've been kind of hoping and praying that uh, she'll be... We don't know what the capability of a person once you cross from this plane to the next, you know? But I've been kind of praying that uh, God would allow her to uh, visit me. So we'll see. As long as, as long as she's not mad at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Paula. I'm just kidding. I know you're laughing. So it's, uh, it's kind of neat, and I'm kind of getting over the hump. I actually just booked a couple of uh, studio sessions uh, to get going on uh, putting Volume 9 on Audible. All right. So uh, we'll get on that, and I'm sure I'll get back to some more writing at some point, but uh, one step at a time. Absolutely. So what do we have today, bro, with cryptids in the news and other oddities? Yeah, Bill. So maybe in preparation of Halloween, (laughs) we're going to the news, though, to a very recent article, and... uh, it's uh, freaky deaky creepy. So, <laughs> in that order? <laughs> in that order. So this story uh, that I'm going to talk about showed up in New Yorker magazine a couple of weeks ago on September 29th, 2022. But you can find, uh, um, you know, other reprints or snippets of the story from other news agencies almost anywhere, including on... Uh, the local television station in Atlanta. So the story takes place in Atlanta. I don't know if you saw it, Bill, but um, basically there have been a plethora of headless goats showing up floating in the Chattahoochee River in Atlanta. No way. Yeah, like hundreds of headless goats. Any uh, any uh, pictures of he- Oh, yeah. Wow. They, there's even video of somebody was there under, I think it's the I-20 bridge in downtown Atlanta that goes over to Chattahoochee, and they videotaped somebody throwing headless goats off of the bridge. No way. Way. <laughs> <laughs> way, dude. I don't, way. I don't get it. Who's throwing headless goats off the bridge? Another hundreds, ghost? Hundreds of them. Wow. So what do you think is going on with headless goats, Bill? Well, you know my opinion. 
there's some type of demonic activity happening around there. Oh, uh, yeah. Ah. Ring the bell. That's, that's what they're thinking. So um, apparently it's been showing up for years, a few headless goats. So in this New Yorker magazine article, um, they interview this gentleman by the name of Jason Olseth. Hope I pronounce your name correctly, Jason. And he's the river keeper of the Chattahoochee River in greater Atlanta. So basically, he looks after the river because they actually use it for drinking water in Atlanta. Okay. And uh, so he kind of cruises up and down the river on a regular basis, making sure that it's not getting too polluted and stuff like that. And he's been seeing, you know, handfuls of headless goats. But lately, he's been seeing up to 100 of them at one time. Now, these are daytime sightings? I mean, the guy's not riding around in a boat at night. Oh, this is daytime. He's just cruising down the river. It's his job. You know, 9 to 5 is to check out the river, make sure it's not getting too polluted. I'm sure if he sees stuff in the river, he calls to have people take it out of the river. You know, cars and stuff like that or whatever. Hence, Hence his title, The River Keeper. The River Keeper. Wow. Exactly. Wow. I am Jason, the Keeper of the (laughs) River. But you could call me River Keeper. (laughs) Well, I'd rather be called River Keeper than Grim Reaper. Whoa, yeah. (laughs) Careful with the rhymes. Careful with the rhymes. Uh, So no one knows why these headless goats are showing up in the river, right? They... They don't, but there's a lot of different theories, and the theories get creepier and creepier. So the first theory, and they're related, by the way. Um, you're, la- <laughs> you're laughing at the creepier. And yeah, creepier. I mean, it's just like, how do you get creepier than hundreds of headless ghosts and a guy throwing them off the bridge? Well, buckle up. <laughs> oh, boy. Buckle up, because we're going now. All right, here we go. (laughs) So, um, there is this religion called Santeria. Oh, yes. You know that one? Yes, I'm familiar with that. Uh, What do you know about Santeria? Well, I think its roots are in Puerto Rico. and uh, Actually, Cuba, but close. Cuba, uh, some of these different... uh, Latin American uh, islanders uh, practice the Santeria, and they—it's a mix. Uh, believe me, and I don't mean to taint uh, Catholicism, but they pull areas of Catholicism into this freaking hoodoo voodoo, and <laughs> and named it Santeria. You know, exactly, and and um, you know, but it is a, a, a polytheistic. Um, religion and it it revolves around different uh, deities. Yeah, and uh, you know, the, and part of what it pulls from Catholicism, which I was happy to see that it was only this part of it, was that it equates <clears throat> some of these deities to uh, saints, not not literally to to Roman Catholic saints, right. but to the concept of saints. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's as close as I could see it. But it is a bit of a mix of uh, uh, several different religions, including some stuff out of uh, West Africa as well and the Caribbean, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But but a big part of it, or a part of it, is uh, sacrificing animals. Yeah. To these statues, mm-hmm. and apparently, you know, in these stories online, 
Um, they talk about the fact that, you know, they sacrifice chickens and they'll sacrifice goats. Now, what gets really, so, so that's pretty freaky, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I promised you that it gets a little freakier as well and creepier. Well, it turns out that there's a theory about all these headless goats in Atlanta that it's related to drug traffickers. Mm-hmm. And that the drug traffickers practice Santeria uh, in order to protect them while they're trafficking drugs. Uh, that is uh, definitely a truism uh, because I am aware that many of these individuals set up little altars. Right. And they have uh, 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 statues of saints. And uh, even the Virgin Mary and stuff, that their their belief is that they can uh, perform these rituals and that they'll be protected doing their work. Exactly. Now, I didn't know that they actually use uh, Catholic saints. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, okay. it's a mix. It's a bad mix. Yeah. yeah obviously. Some weird stuff and then Catholic saints. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it, you know, obviously this whole thing has run afoul of the reality of what's going on there. But, you know, people do these things, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So this this one theory that the author of this New Yorker magazine, of course, I know I have no idea, but he says that maybe. Uh, all these goats are showing up because headless goats are showing up in the river because they're they're um, trafficking more drugs now in the Atlanta area, maybe. And then these uh, folks that are uh, trafficking the drugs and transporting them are making more sacrifices to the gods of Santeria with goats. Wow. And then they're throwing them in the river. And then, in fact, you know, you could make a little bit of a stretch here that a lot of their transit goes across the I-20 bridge, which is a big east-west road in the southern U.S., and um, therefore they're throwing them off of the bridge there as well in some type of part of the ritual. Yeah, now, I have to say to you, Kev, and some of the listeners are probably thinking exactly what I'm going to say. When you first started talking about this... I thought you were saying goats, as in the animal. I am. Uh, yeah, but uh, originally I was thinking it's just kind of, I'm, I'm hearing him talking a little weird this morning, and he, he's actually saying ghosts, like headless ghosts of people. But you were saying goats. Goats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it took, me, it took me a couple of minutes to catch on to that you were talking about animals, not headless people. I am talking about animals, goats, yep. and I am not talking about Tom Brady because <laughs> I don't think he's the goat. <laughs> uh, well, if he is a goat, he's got to eat a tin can to prove it. There you go. I'm up for that. Uh, this is just so bizarre. How long has this really been going on? Uh, in numbers like this? Well, this has been during the last year some really big numbers, but it's been going on. He says he's been seeing it for years since he's been the riverkeeper, but just a few here and a few there. You know, basically he'll be going down the river and he'll smell something bad and he'll go over and uh, um, 
you know, look, and there'll be like a, a goat carcass with no head floating. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, very strange stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, does he have to collect that then and pull it into... Well, I'll tell you what, the guy has a terrible job. So if you if you have little ones listening, uh, cover up their ears for about a minute here. So he, he talks about in this article that at one point he uh, saw like a burlap sack floating in the river and he has to open it up, you know, to make sure there's not, you know, some other kind of carcass in there, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, he opened it up, and there were three headless goat carcasses rotting. Oh. Can you imagine? No, no. When you first think of it, like, oh, he's riding down the river in a boat each day. Not a bad gig. Well, it's not quite being the boat operator at Disney World. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's not Mickey and Minnie riding in a floating teacup. And by the way there, I said boat, not goat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow man uh well you know uh who knows what's really going on down there but the fact that these apparitions are uh showing up you know well where are all these goat heads anyway yeah just ahead so, like what happened like i couldn't find anything on what happens to the goat heads well like- you, uh, you know i have to say this that uh the goat head, uh, in particular the skulls with the horns on them, uh, have been a long-term uh, sought-after uh, thing for uh, people that are into the satanic end of things. The goat head. Yeah. Uh, and we, okay. we've seen that for years, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we have the goat man legends right. and stuff like that, which are... Total creep fest. And you see at Halloween, a lot of these very bizarre and realistic costumes that are available today, the goat head is certainly in the list of sought-after costumes, you know? And just to be clear, you did say goat head, not ghost head. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're not talking about Charlie Brown with the sheet over his head with all the holes cut in it? All I got uh, was a rock. Yeah. How about who wore the pumpkin head and he couldn't get it off his head? <laughs> that had to be Linus. Yeah. He had that jumbo pumpkin head on him. <laughs> I think it got <laughs> stuck on him or some nonsense. <laughs> hey, help me out here. I can't get that pumpkin head up. <laughs> so uh, I promised you some freaky deaky and some creepy. So uh, we'll keep... We'll keep uh, folks updated on this story as it continues to develop and folks you know if you're down there in greater atlanta and you uh you know any more about this let us know write in and contact us at bigfoottarrorinthewoods.com yeah and if you've got any uh video off your camera i'd like to see that oh my yeah yeah and you can you can google it bill you'll see you'll see video chucking these goats off i'll try to put a couple of pictures up uh, the video's a little too creepy for our website. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, alive, man. You know, yeah. where where does it end? Mm. In fact, is it doesn't end, you know, where, where yeah. one leaves off, another picks up. No doubt. And uh, there is certainly high strangeness available in all formats uh, on this planet in which we live. Well, speaking of strange and bizarre happenings, 
this somewhat supernatural sighting was told to me by a rancher named uh, Zachary Lenz from the state of Montana. Uh, Make of it what you will, but this is what Zach said happened to him. Now, Kev, what have we got going on over there? Is that the helicopters? Yeah. Holy cow, that was coming through like it was in my uh, my room here. Yeah, that was actually a V-22 Osprey. My God, was that loud. <laughs> Do, uh, listeners, if you heard what I just heard, and I'm sure you did, uh, my brother is near a Marine Corps base. And he's got these, the Ospreys, right, Kev? Yeah, V-22 twin rotor Ospreys, where the rotors actually tilt and they fly horizontally like an airplane or vertically like a helicopter. And those propellers are what? They're like 30 or 40 feet wide, right, or something? At least. They're monsters. At least. And when they, man, when they come over your house, man, it's like a cleaning cruise coming through while we're talking. They they got like the equivalent of open headers on these things, too. Unbelievable. I mean, they must have a way to silence them for stealth activity. Yeah. But typically, uh, they are wide open and uh, the loudest things ever. I mean, I love them. Don't get me wrong. It is the sound of freedom. (laughs) Yeah, and folks, obviously, my brother and I are not recording in a soundproof studio on either end of this gig. Well, I am, but these V-22s are pretty loud anyway. Yeah, no, they're they're overpowering. That's just like a, a monster. Yeah, But anyways, I started to tell you that this uh, supernatural sighting was told to me by a rancher, uh, Zachary Lenz, from the state of Montana. And make of it what you will, folks, but this is what Zach said happened to him. As you know, Bill, I'm 83 years old now. But at the time of this bizarre happening... I was 66 and hard at work maintaining and caring for a large cattle herd in my home state. The way this thing had panned out was strange, but here goes nothing. I had sighted this so-called Bigfoot several times throughout a period of about four years. Each time that I saw it was from a considerable distance. And on every occasion, I watched as it walked away from or back into the forest. I don't know the how and the why as to just why it worked out that way, but that's the way it was, always leaving the trees or on its way back into them. I had confided in a couple of my closest friends who were more than a bit interested But we were all in agreement that no harm, no foul, live and let live. But that was about to change. It was in 2000 that I was out in the herd one morning when I spied out what looked like some type of large, dead animal out in an adjoining pasture. And I rode over to take a look-see. As I rode up on the animal, I realized immediately that it was one of my own and dismounted to have a closer look. Things got strange quickly from the moment I left the horse. 
there was considerable damage to the body, but not in the usual way in regards to an attack from a bear or a cougar, which I will get into. The first thing I noticed was that the animal's neck was twisted around at least twice, if not more, giving the appearance of a wrung-out towel. The next thing that I noticed as I was looking at the neck was a dried-up blood puddle under the mouth. And upon inspection of the mouth, the beast's tongue had been torn out and was gone. The belly of the animal had been torn or sheared open, not in a surgical way, but rather like the ripping of the flesh apart, with no signs of bite marks or a knife having been used. As I lifted the flap of hide, most of the organ meat was gone, and there wasn't a single claw mark or scrape on the skin. Well, this was the darndest thing I had ever seen in all my days, and I had started a chain of phone calls to all my friends and the authorities on what happened. You can't believe the commotion that this had stirred over the next several weeks with talk about everything from aliens to cult activities and the like. But in my heart, I was thinking about the Bigfoot. After everything had well blown over, I was very unsettled every time I was in the fields. And yet, I hadn't seen anything else. Let's just say that I was on guard and I had my rifle with me at all times, whereas before it was usually my handgun that I carried. Based on what I had seen of this Bigfoot, it would take all that a rifle had to offer to bring it down, and for some reason, I felt like a standoff was on the horizon. I don't even know why I had that feeling at the time. It was simply a gut feeling and nothing more than that. It was seven months later, on a windy and cold day, that I was once again riding out to check on a herd. And I was approaching, and as I was approaching a rise, I heard the animals acting up, and I set the horse to a trot, making it over the hill where I could now see the herd. The animals were scattering every which way, and smack dab in the middle of the field stood the Bigfoot. There were no visible animals down, just this monstrous creature standing there in the grass. I pulled my rifle from the scabbard and set to set to sight in him and set to sight him in, and he ran like the dickens towards the fence. I was doing my best to follow him with the scope, but the way he was running, it was impossible. He was like a jackrabbit from hell, darting left and right as though he knew he was in for it. As soon as he hit the fence, he leaped over it, turning and stopping, facing me for a brief moment, and it was enough for me to get a shot off, which I did. The Bigfoot didn't move or drop, and as as I quickly chambered a second round, putting my scope back on him, through the scope, I watched as he appeared to burn up from the edges inward and vanished. Please allow me to explain. Have you ever seen a a piece of flash paper burn? 
When the flame touches the edge, it is consumed in a split second with no real smoke or residual in the process. It virtually vanishes before your eyes, and that's what I saw. Without taking my eyes off the scene for a split second, I rode straightway down to the fence and dismounted with my rifle. I could see a trail going into the field and back to the fence where I now stood, as well as a set of heavy and large footprints next to the rail where I had shot him, and nothing else. The evidence was there that it was there, but where it had gone is anyone's guess. There was no blood, no sign of it having left the fence where it was standing. This thing was at least seven feet tall, dark brown when it was standing in the field, and it ran faster than my horse could carry me, which is getting a move on. From that day forward, I never had another sighting of it or anything else happening on the property. And what it was all about, I can't rightfully tell you, but that's the way it happened. What do you think of that, Kev? I'll tell you what, I love the description of the jackrabbit from hell. Boy, oh boy. And this guy claims he pulled the trigger on this thing, and I would imagine if he had a scope uh, and he got it stationary, he hit it. Yeah, and you think like some kind type of shape-shifting creature or... What a strange set of circumstances, though. Cloaking or whatever, like they talk about on some of the Bigfoot shows. He he said he was looking at footprints and a trail, and yet this thing had burned up from the edges like a piece of flash paper and disappeared, like it dematerialized. Yeah. You remember, and now I wasn't a fan of Star Trek, uh, but remember they used to get into that tube or stand on that platform and the body? Yeah, the tra- transporter. Oh, okay. So the transporter, and they would just kind of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they would just, like, disappear, right? It would just, like, happen. Yeah, I mean, I guess the theory was it would take you apart to, like, the atomic level and then beam you across space and then put you back together. Perfect. At the atomic level. No, really, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right It would just break you down to the most minuscule uh, format And then reassemble you wherever you were going And, uh, but this guy, what a bizarre thing You know, I mean, uh, I don't know what that's all about I'm frankly at a loss for words Yeah, no, I... You know, again, I'm still back at Jack Rabbit from Hell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you have me at Jack Rabbit from Hell. But you know, it's interesting that this cattle rancher, right out in the Big Sky Country of Montana, he clearly has a history of seeing this creature as well. Right. It happened over a period of time. Right. And the animal that he found with the neck twisted around and the the stomach cavity like torn open. Right. That's kind of weird, you know, no, uh, you know, he discounted that whole alien thing, right, with the surgery. Yeah, well, it's, you know, again, 
what's the, uh, you know me, I'm the big believer in Occam's razor theory where it's the most obvious thing, which maybe it's not a Bigfoot, but it's probably not aliens, you know. Yeah, uh, just very strange, torn open. Yeah, pretty pretty wild and gory, but it also makes sense. Like if some creature wanted, uh, you know, a nourishing meal, they'd probably eat the organs, you know, more than chewing on the skin of the cow. Yeah, and uh, look, I'm not a hunter, right? I would imagine the underside of the animal is softer and easier to access than going through the hide. Yeah. Uh, on the side of the animal, you know, and yeah, exactly. then you got to go through the, the bony structure, the rib cage. Right. So you just open them up from the bottom and have at it and then go away, you know? Yep. Uh, and the tongue, I don't know where I heard it before. Somebody told me the tongue uh, is uh, a preferred uh, delicacy, even in the wild. So, yeah. uh, well, I know you were telling me this morning that you went out and bought a bunch of cow tongue yeah, to yeah. cook up today. I like to slice it and have it with my Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> As a general rule, I don't want to eat anything that licks me back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is really bizarre, man. A dead animal and this thing coming and going. Uh, and he didn't speak again of seeing this creature. So mm. it was a period of about four years. He always saw this thing from the distance. And then he has this strange encounter where this thing is standing in the herd uh, and then runs from him. So it didn't, it didn't dematerialize uh, instantly, but it ran from him. And, uh, you know, uh, took a shot at it, and then it was gone, you know? Super weird, man. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, that's it. I mean, another bizarre encounter. Uh, what's going on with this? I don't know, but my belief is this, that flesh and blood doesn't dematerialize. No. And what's going on there? I have no idea. Right. But uh, you can't, you and I can't be here now and then disappear like a piece of flash paper and reappear somebody else. There's some, something else afoot uh, with that story and other stories like that, you know? Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, I've said it, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. You can't pick something up on infrared showing a heat signature, and then that heat signature is just gone. I mean, if you look at a rabbit on the ground with infrared, the rabbit is always there or will show up again unless you see it hopping out of the picture. Yeah. But it just doesn't go away. It's still hotter than everything else around. Yeah, I mean, unless it ducks into its hole or whatever, you know, but that's, of course. Right. Yeah. Right. And I've said, I've seen some of this footage where these Bigfoot creatures almost seem to step behind what appears to be a straight line yeah. as though there was a concrete cinder block building uh, out in the middle of the woods and they just slipped behind the the edge of a corner and were blocked from view. It's not like they you saw bits and pieces passing behind branches. Yeah, some, some you know, they talk about it, right, as some type of cloaking. 
that they could be able to do. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea, but it's certainly, certainly bizarre. Yeah. And there you have it, Kev. Wild, great account, man. Yeah. So what do we have in our listener mail today? Yeah, we got some good uh, good emails this week, Bill, as usual. Um, the first one I'm going to read comes from Rod from Australia. Love Rod. He writes yeah, in frequently. And his subject is, yeah-wee. <laughs> My favorite cryptid. But he says, good evening, gentlemen. Just a quick thank you for brightening up my night shift. I listened to episode 35, The White Thang. (laughs) I had to get out of my patrol vehicle. I was laughing so uncontrollably with the incident. White, old, blue, and a bed sheet. (laughs) I forgot about that one, Rod. That was pretty funny. He says, thank you so very much. My week is going pretty average. But you guys uh, brought it brought home with a win- brought it home with a winner. <laughs> Cheers, Rod from Brisbane. And he says, "P.S. Kev, your pronunciation of Brisbane is superb." <laughs> That's because I've been there, Rod, and it's a beautiful city, uh, and love Australia overall. So I've, I've told my brother if I. Uh, ever uh, had the opportunity to live on the other side of the world, that's probably the only place I would live And in Australia. I love the place. I love the people. And I've never seen a Yowie, so I might as well go there. Well, Rod uh, has been in touch with a number of uh, in touch with us a number of times. And uh, he wants to talk about his sightings. But Kev, you know, and Rod, I'm so wound up and busy uh, you know, it's really hard for me to see my way clear to make some type of arrangement. Uh, perhaps we'll get to it at some point in time, but uh, right now it's like uh, one foot in front of the other and keep moving. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's tough to make a connection, you know, with somebody on the other side of the world when I'm doing what I'm doing here. And they're doing what they're doing there, and uh, the timing and everything else. So, oh yeah, big big time difference yeah. too. So we'll see, we'll see. Twelve fourteen hours to Brisbane, depending on the time of the year. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a bit of a logistical hassle, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thanks for chiming in, Rod. Always good to hear from you. Cool. All right, and our next one comes in from Amy. And Amy says, you've got the best podcast going on the airwaves, brothers. You couldn't pay me enough to spend a night camping in our national parks. I experienced a sighting in Yellowstone, July 1997. It was at the east entrance going into Cody, and my youngest son validated what I saw on the mountainside by marveling at Chewbacca. Huh. Yeah. Uh, And coming home, I got on the computer and noted another sighting at the same location in the park. Two brothers chopping wood encountered the smelly creature. Boy, that's freaking weird. Yeah. Uh, Where was she? She was in Yellowstone. Wow. And I've been to Yellowstone. It's pretty, uh, pretty wild. Well, Yellowstone is, you know, we talk about the park like where the people walk around, right? 
But the property itself is immense. Uh, but Oh, yeah. I mean, it's basically a valley is where most of the folks are walking around. Um, and then you you hike up out of the valley into the surrounding land. Yeah. And I've camped in the valley and uh, hiked up, you know, especially around some of the falls, uh, Bridal Vale Falls and, of course, Yosemite Falls and... I can't even remember the rest of the rest of the places, but it's a beautiful place, but it's got a lot of wildlife. And I don't doubt, you know, if there's hairy men out there that they would be out there in those meadows, upper meadows around uh, around Yosemite. Yeah, there's no reason why they wouldn't be. Yeah. Plenty of food, shelter, berries in season. You know, I mean, it's just wild, wild country and that's their home. Yeah. So uh, there's absolutely no reason they wouldn't. And we, I, I had that one encounter by Bridal Vale Falls. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Exactly. I don't know if I spoke about that one, but if we didn't, we'll get back to it. And if we haven't, we will get to it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Yosemite's beautiful. Though. Look, great, great place, magical place. So Amy wraps up her letter by saying, "We've all been hooked on Bigfoot stories." But your podcast is the best out there. I look forward each week to your reading the letters that are sent to you. God bless America's hunters who are out there and running into these hairy men. Wow. And she says, even Teddy Roosevelt wrote about them. Keep up the creepy, deepy brothers. <laughs> God bless you both, Amy. Thank you, Amy. Great, great letter. And thank you for your blessing as well. Yeah, fantastic, man. And yeah. she calls it the Chewbacca. <laughs> that's that's what her son called it, which is pretty cool. You know, you could see a little guy saying, hey, look at that. It looks like Chewbacca. Yeah, it was funny the way they included the character in the original Star Wars, right, the Chewbacca. Oh, yeah. Uh, that he would, you know, appear as a Bigfoot, you know. Yeah. But uh, Chewy, right? Didn't they call him Chewy or something? Chewy. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't a V-22. That was Chewbacca. <laughs> awesome, man. What else you got? Might have been Chewbacca flying a V-22. <laughs> that would be pretty well, cool. Well, we know he's capable. Oh, yeah. He's a good pilot. <laughs> All right. And our last letter comes in from Daniel. And he writes about seeing a UFO over the Russian River out in California. Huh. And he says, "My when I was about 12 years old... My dad uh, and my brother and I went catfishing on the Russian River. I'd say it was about 1 or 1.30 in the morning um, when we were out there. And he said, now what makes it more complicated, it's a little confusing how he writes this, so I'm going to do the best I can because it's kind of, it's pretty interesting. He said, the, the morning before they went fishing, so I guess Christmas morning, uh, his parents got him what's called the sightings VHS tapes at the time. Huh. And there was one that was related to UFOs, one related to ghosts, and one related to ESP. Huh. And he said, from these tapes, I became obsessed with all of the creepiness, but also scared, very frightened of UFOs at the same time. Huh. Weird. So he said, I want to tell you about the story that happened to me. I'd say it was about 1230 at night, and we were again 
fishing for catfish and waiting for them to strike. My dad had known about my fear, so he told his best friend, who was out there with us, not to say something about something that he saw in the sky. He disres- he, his friend disregarded this news and decided to tell all of us. I've never been so scared in my entire life, for what I saw in the sky was an orange fireball that seemed to be hovering above the tree line. Bill, I have more on this story if you're interested. There's just a lot to explain in a single email. Huh. Yeah. We've heard about this orange, orange fireball. Yep, yep. And uh, in my book, uh, UFO Sightings and Encounters, uh, which I encourage you guys to purchase, uh, I had one or two fireball uh, sightings in there. And it's weird because... What's with the flying fireball? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's things where it could be a reflection, it could be, you know, some celestial object, or it could be a UFO, too, right? Or a UAP. Who knows? Yeah, but I had a couple of encounters or sightings where this thing was, like, flying around, remaining stationary, moving on, going past buildings, Illuminating, so it was a light. Yeah, illuminating things around it, uh, and yet this what they're describing as a ball of fire. Now it doesn't; mm. it's not consumed. Uh, it doesn't burn out. It's like a flaming snowball just moving around. It's a very strange thing, you know. Wild stuff for sure. Wow, man. All right, man, the Russian River. Yeah, so thank you, Daniel, uh, and thanks, everybody, for writing in. That's just a sample of the uh, emails that we received this week. You know, if you haven't given us a five-star rating lately on your favorite podcast player, please do that. Those five-star ratings are virtually the only way we have of attracting new listeners to the podcast. And by getting new listeners, we're able to continuously improve the quality of the podcast and also um, keep on a regular schedule, as regular as we can, that is. So thank you very much. Keep those five stars coming. And that's it for this week, Bill. Fantastic. Yeah, we had some uh, freaky deepy uh, activity today with the headless goats in the Chattahoochee. It was the Chattahoochee, wasn't it? Chattahoochee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And then this guy out in Montana with the... Disappearing flash paper Bigfoot. I don't know what to even say about that. But yeah, listen, folks, if you should find yourself floating down the Chattahoochee or walking its banks or, for that matter, riding on a horse out in Montana, you better remember one thing, my friends. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs> <laughs>